You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Very, very good. Well, I feel like we've already had church for what it's worth. Um, but we're going to spend a little bit of time here together, and you're going to have to bear with me. That service got me all sweaty. Look at there. I was wearing a jacket, and I was like, I can't do it. So I'm walking up there all sweaty. You're going to have to deal with it. At least you can't smell me. You're far enough away. But uh, I, I'm, I really am just honestly like, what, what a joy. What a joy to get to worship with a body such as this. What a joy to get to come into his presence with a body just like this. And this morning, we're actually gonna be talking about the body of Christ. Uh, But we're gonna be talking about the body of Christ as the family of Christ. Because to participate in the body and to engage in the body of Christ is to participate and engage in the family of Christ. How many of you would agree that we are called to live in spiritual family? Yes. We are called to live in spiritual family. That was that awkward moment where you don't know if you should clap or say yes, or if it was rhetorical or nod your head. You choose, you choose. But we're called to live in spiritual family. There is no safer place to be than in spiritual family. Spiritual family says, you're covered. Spiritual family says, you've got this. Spiritual family says, when I don't know what to do, someone in my tribe has the answers. That's what spiritual family is. And so I, I, uh, we, we discussed this in our, our home church this past Wednesday, but our, our culture today actually perpetuates this cycle of isolation and loneliness. Most people, um, I'll, I'll, statistically most men say they don't have a single friend who knows everything about them. It should not be so. We are called to live in spiritual family. So this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take, take the next few moments and we're actually gonna dive into one, the relevance of spiritual family as commissioned by the Father. And then we're also gonna explore three relationships that I believe should exist in every single disciple's life as we pursue Jesus. Those three relationships are someone that you are following, someone that you are leading, and someone that you are running with. Someone that you're running with. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today once again. Um, Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you that you actually saw this day in advance for us. And I thank you that you've got good things in store. And Lord, I even sense, just as I did in the first service, that there's actually some people in the room that as as we discuss spiritual family, even hearing the words, spiritual mom, spiritual dad, it actually puts a little bit of a cringe on us because of past hurts, because of past experiences, because of misconceptions, because of lack in our own lives. But Lord, right now, I just, I diffuse all of that and I declare that we will listen with open hearts, with open minds, and that Holy Spirit, you would come and do what only you can do. I pray for healing, I pray for breakthrough, I pray for deliverance this morning. And Father, we trust you in all of it. We trust you in all of it, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So Prophet Dick Mills, I heard Bill Johnson uh, quote this the other day. Um, He says it this way, Dick Mills said, God blesses or afflicts you with the people that you need. (laughs) 
He blesses or afflicts you with people that you need. And I, I believe that to be true. And it's, and it's kind of funny to say it that way. Uh, but we've all got those, we all got those people in our life, right? Don't be elbowing the people next to you. Don't be. But God actually places people in our lives that afflict or they bless us. Um, spiritual family is the family that you get to choose. I've heard it said that way. I think the first person I, had, I heard say that was actually Braden, uh, Braden Connor. But spiritual family is the family that you get to choose. We didn't get to choose our, uh, our blood family. Nah, I heard that over there. We didn't get to choose our, our blood family, but spiritual family is the family that you get to choose. But it creates this nuance because just like we choose to engage in spiritual family, you also get to choose to disengage from spiritual family. And I believe that this trend in the body of Christ and the family of Christ has to stop. Simply put, we were called to people. We were called to community. So I just welcome you even now, before we take a deeper dive into this, just to, to take an introspective look and ask yourself the question, who am I following? Or whom's am I following? Who am I leading and who am I running with? Is there someone in your life that knows you intimately? Is there anyone in your life that knows you intimately? And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. I, uh, truth be told, like, like simply put, life is just better in the context of spiritual family. I have story after story after story in my own life of being rescued by my spiritual family. See, spiritual family are the people that can look at you and say, hey, you're, you don't seem like yourself. You seem like you're off. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You have somebody in your life like, hey man, you just, you look like, you, you look like dog water, bro. What's up with you? Like you <laughs> it's the people that can be really honest with you and they just know. They know you on an intimate level. Furthermore, it's the people that say, hey man, I know it's tough right now, but you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And what can I do for you to help you achieve your goals, to help you achieve your dreams and you achieve your destiny? That's what spiritual family is. And I've got story after story after story of people rescuing me from my own funk and me stepping in and rescuing other people from their funk. That's what spiritual family is. It's exactly what it is. Let me read a passage of scripture to you from Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Amen. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'll say it this way. To participate in the body of Christ is to participate in the family of Christ. And I believe that you cannot have one of these relationships but disengage from the other two, have two of these relationships but disengage from the third and be a wholehearted, fully initiated disciple of Christ. We have to have these three boxes checked in our lives. That's what I believe. And that's a strong statement, but it's what I believe. I learned something, um, I learned something recently. Uh, my daughter, Adeline, is showing a sheep this year. I'm not a sheep person. 
That's one thing I've learned. Um, sheep are dumb. Uh, you'll pour them food in a metal bucket and they'll chew on the metal bucket. You'll lead them with a rope and they'll chew on the rope. Uh, they, basically, sheep just chew on everything. But anyway, that's, that's not all that I've learned. I actually heard, I heard Bill Johnson processing the other day um, the process of docking a sheep's tail. And I, I didn't realize this, um, but did you know that sheep are actually born with long tails? Okay, cool. <laughs> you didn't know it. Thank you. Thank you. You're my favorite person in this whole room. Whole room, you. But they're actually born with long tails and they look super weird like with a long tail, because generally when we see a sheep or when I see a sheep, it's got a short tail, it's got a docked tail. And there's actually this process of docking, uh, docking a sheep's tail. There's multiple ways to do this. I don't know why I'm saying all this. All you guys know this story, but I'm gonna say it anyway. But uh, in the process of, of, of docking a sheep's tail, um, one of the most common methods is you just attach like a, an elastic band at whatever point up the tail. And then you wait about four weeks and the rest of the tail just falls off. You knew that already, but I didn't. <laughs> well, anyway, I t- as I was pondering this and even listening to Bill Johnson process this, it just, it dawned on me um, after he said this, but if at a certain point in that process, you release the tension of that elastic band or you pull that elastic band off, the blood will regain circulation into that portion of the tail where there's dead tissue and there is toxicity. And what will actually happen is the blood will begin to circulate back through the lamb from that dead part of the tail and it could actually kill the lamb. Think about that. To separate yourself from the body of Christ is to cut off circulation. I believe that it is time to stop separating yourself from the body of Christ because of any circumstances and formulating your opinions and your beliefs and your convictions about the body of Christ outside of connection with the body of Christ. To engage with the body of Christ is to engage in the family of Christ. I believe that the Father is wooing us back to connection. It has been prophesied many times in the recent past that this next wave of revival is actually going to look like family. I need what you have. I I need what you have. The person next to you needs what you have. But it takes being wholehearted, fully arrived, long-suffering, willing to commit, That's what it takes to exist inside of spiritual family. Sheeps have long tails. Who'd have knew? Let me be perfectly clear. No good comes from separating yourself from the body of Christ. Re-engage. Let's hop into this first first point. Um, It's quiet in here, y'all. This first relationship I wanna jump into is those that you're following. Spiritual moms and spiritual dads. And I was reading the story of Elijah and Elisha, and I feel like it perfectly, uh, perfectly articulates what it looks like to follow somebody as a son or as a daughter. So let's just dive into the story and read. Second Kings chapter two, verse one through 15, out of the New International Version, it says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, we're gonna be saying these two names a lot, so buckle up, okay? And if it sounds like I'm having a hard time articulating them, I am. 
Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Pay attention to this response. Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. We've heard that before. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jordan River. You think Elijah would realize at this point, like, this kid doesn't listen. He ain't, listen, Linda. <laughs> but again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. The Bible is super fun, first of all. That's a crazy occurrence. Verse 12. Elisha, I, I love this, get this part right here. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up, and Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, where is the Lord? the God of Elijah. Then the river divided and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Take a deep breath. That was a lot of scripture. <clears throat> there are several things that I observe about this passage that perfectly articulate what it looks like to be a son and to follow a father. The first thing that I observe is the persistence. Elijah's telling him, hey, get busy living, stay here because I'm about to go away. And Elisha says, I am, I am not leaving your side. There's this sense of loyalty that comes from this place of humility that says, where you go, I will go. AKA, I want what you're carrying. But here's what I love about this entire, entire scripture is that before Elijah ever gives the offering to Elisha and says, okay, what can I do for you? Before he ever asks for the double portion, before he ever asks to pick up the mantle and carry the authority that Elijah had, before any of that happened, 
Before that was his reality, he found himself at the feet of Elijah time and time and time again saying, what you have, I want. And the only way to achieve that is just to be around you. I I just wanna be with you. Where you go, I go. And that's what he wanted. You see what I observe in this relationship is there wasn't this striving. There wasn't this continual and perpetual like, no, 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 Elijah, let me, let me do it this time. Let me bang the thing on the ground and the water will split. It was just, it was this, this humility of just watching this father in his life participate in the things of heaven and just being like, oh, that is so cool. There was no striving to impress in Elisha. You see, Striving to impress a spiritual father looks like, put your attention on me, look what I can do. Living to please a spiritual father says, how can I serve you and what can I do to make your life better? I sense and I get the feeling because I've had enough conversations with people that even this conversation of submission and it shouldn't be so. It shouldn't be cringy. This is a part of the kingdom. Find somebody who has something you want and stick to them like glue. I'm not leaving you. I'm not, I'm not leaving your side. I want what you're carrying and I wanna do what I can to help you. So two different times, this is another indicator for me. Prophets from these different regions, from Bethel and from Jericho, they tell, um, they tell them, say, don't you know your leader's about to ascend into heaven? He's about to leave you. And I love, I, I love his response. He's, Elisha says like, yes, I get it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> and it's almost like this defensive type thing is how I interpret this. It's like, yes, I understand. The guys back there just said it. Don't talk about it. And then at the point Elijah is finally taken up into heaven, before he ever steps into the authority, before he steps into the mantle, before he moves on from what had just happened, he takes a moment to tear his clothes as a sign of mourning and cry out to God because he's just lost his spiritual father. We need spiritual fathers. We need spiritual moms in order to fulfill the assignments that are on our lives as sons and daughters. Furthermore, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how initiated you are. We are to have spiritual fathers and mothers ahead of us charting the path where we're holding on to them saying, I will not let go. I won't let go. I've got to have what you have. It's the biblical model. And I'm aware that that's a difficult thing to process. Church hurt is hard. Let me just acknowledge that in the room. Church hurt is very, very hard. But we have to end the trend, disagree, get upset, leave. Disagree, get upset, leave. The kingdom looks like diversity. Unity without diversity is uniformity. I heard Bill Johnson say that. I basically just quote Bill Johnson all the time, if you haven't noticed. Unity without diversity is uniformity. That's not what we need. We need wholehearted, fully arrived, fully initiated sons and daughters who are willing to grab a hold of spiritual leaders and say, where you go, I go. And I know you've been hurt. I've, I've been hurt. It's hard. And we're gonna get to that in a moment. But it doesn't change the scripture. 
it doesn't matter how many times I've been hurt. It doesn't matter how many times I throw a fit and I get upset and I feel like I'm justified in my stance because they shouldn't have done that and they shouldn't have done this and how did I find myself here and I'm not to blame. But I go back to scripture and it still says the same thing. It doesn't change. It's a spiritual principle. To engage in the body of Christ is to engage in the family of Christ. We need sons, we need daughters, we need mothers, we need fathers. I uh, heard a story through Brave Course, and if, if the guys that went through Brave Course, you've heard this before, but um, Chris Vallotton talks about when he was 17 years old, he was a part of a home church, and he was a young, um, under-initiated Christian, didn't have a lot of language, didn't, like he wasn't, didn't have a lot of a grid for a lot of things at this stage in his life at the age of 17. Most 17-year-olds don't. Um, <coughs> I think I just offended some 17-year-olds. I'm sorry, but you don't, you, just listen to your mom and dad. You're gonna be fine. Um, but he, he shows up at this home church and um, the, they're talking about spiritual family, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. And so the guy leading this group asked the question, how many of you don't have a spiritual father? And so Chris Vallotton like raises his hand. And so the leader of the group goes, okay, cool. So he grabs a 21 year old, a 23 year old, and then another 20 something year old. And he brings them in front of Chris Vallotton and he goes, who do you want to be your dad? <laughs> and so Chris Vallotton says, he's like, my selection process was I just chose the best looking guy. I... <laughs> so today we're just gonna be like auctioning off spiritual fathers. Um, if you're needing a dad, I'm joking, we're not, we're not. But I, you know what I love about this story is it actually, it actually kind of just like demysticizes the entire process of finding a spiritual father. It doesn't have to be this contemplative, prayerful, I saw you in a dream and the guy looked just like you. His beard was just like that with the chiseled jawline and the sweaty armpits and the whole thing. It's like, it's, it doesn't always have to be that way. Now, now, now hear this, sometimes it is, Right? Some of you probably have some stories where that's been your experience, but not always. The premise is this, a spiritual father is someone who's willing to love well and lead well. So find someone a couple steps ahead of you who's willing to love you well and lead you well. Bada bing, bada boom, you got a spiritual father. Think about it. We need leaders, we need spiritual moms, we need spiritual dads. Here's the thing about leading people. We don't always feel qualified to be leading the people that have chosen to follow us. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so let's talk about those you're leading. I just wanna start and say this one more time. Leading well is simply loving well. And the way in which you love people who are following you changes season to season. It doesn't always look like bear, bear hugs and happy things. It's, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's the rod of correction. Sometimes it's, hey, I told you to do this thing three months ago. You came to me and you're not doing anything with the advice that I gave you. So do that and then we'll talk again. <laughs> that one hurts. Go back to the last thing that was said. Now, once again, this is a conversational exchange. This is a relationally invested relationship. And I just wanna, I wanna ask a question, okay? And I, just, I wanna even just gauge the response of this room in this moment and the tension of this room and the tension of this moment. Who is willing 
to be fathered, who is willing to be a father? Just raise your hand. Who's willing to be fathered and who's willing to be a father? Who's willing to be a mother? Who's willing to be mothered? Yes, 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 yeah. Guess what? We are in a community of people poised and ready to engage in this type of relationship. But I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step is. Great, figure it out. I don't, I don't know what to, I don't, I don't have a, I don't know any of this stuff about the Bible. Great, figure it out. Ask questions. That's the purpose of spiritual family. To engage in the body of Christ is to engage in the family of Christ. The beautiful thing about leading people is if you're following someone and you don't know the answer, just go, I ask Bill Johnson everything. I don't, I don't know him. I just read what he wrote. I regurgitate information all the time. There's nothing new under the sun. Morgan Snyder, I've quoted him a gajillion and a half times. John Eldridge, I basically stole all of his curriculum. If I've discipled men in this room, it was basically everything John Eldridge ever wrote. Just gonna out myself, okay? Just find the answers. It's a lot less ominous than you might think. Leading well is loving well. And I've heard this theology before when it comes to discipleship, well, if they want it, they'll come and get it. I just, I wanna pause there. Many of you have maybe been fathered or mothered with this approach. Well, if they want it, they'll come and get it. You might've led and fathered or mothered people with that approach. If they want it, they'll come get it. And where I think there is some truth in that tension, it is not exclusively the model of making disciples for Christ. Whenever I observe the life of Christ with his disciples, he called them out of the water in pursuit. He called them to the garden to go pray before he was arrested. He invited them into every place of ministry that he ever went. He welcomed John to baptize him. He welcomed Zacchaeus out of a tree to dine with him in his house that evening. You see, the process of leading people is loving people and loving people is allowing them to engage in every step that you're taking. It's not just praying for them once a morning. It's not just giving them instructions once a quarter and seeing what they do with it. If you say yes, buckle up. If you say yes, you're choosing to engage and to do life with people. That's what spiritual family is. Now, I also believe that just as it is the leader's responsibility to initiate and engage the disciple, it was always matched, if not magnified, by the disciple. Let's go back to, um, let's go, let's go back to Elisha with Elijah. Elijah saying, stay here. Stay. And Elisha says, mm -mm, I'm going, right? There was this pursuit, this persistence from Elisha as a son that says, I want to be with you. So I believe that it is a two-way relationship that should not be taken lightly because I believe taking that relationship lightly is what has led to much of the church hurt that we sit in today. Don't do it halfway. I feel like in preparation for this, I just got this, I got this feeling that there were people in this room 
who have actually been rather wounded by a spiritual leader in your life. And if you're being honest, you still carry that wound with you today. I believe that the Lord wants to heal that wound and re-engage you back into spiritual family. We're gonna have a moment to process that in just a little bit. You might be thinking to yourself right now, I, I didn't deserve what happened to me in spiritual family. It, it should not have been so. Or you might be thinking to yourself, who are they to tell me what to do? I, wherever you find yourself in this tension, there was, there was a season in my life where I was in that place. I, sh- I should not, like, I should, I'm hurt. I should not be the one to have to blah, blah, blah. And they did this, and what did I do? And that's a, Right? Like, there's this hard reality that we have to come to terms with that you're not actually responsible for what others do to you always, but you are 100% of the time responsible for what you do with what others do to you. 100% of the time. The moment I took my eyes off of someone else's journey, spiritual leader, spiritual son, spiritual brother, the moment I take my eyes off of what was done to me and focus on their season and their afflictions, what they did and I put the focus back on me because that's all I can fix reconciliation and healing can happen this was illustrated to me in that season I mentioned a moment ago by a, a friend and a spiritual father in my life local guy who I go to frequently and I, in this season I was just really hurt really really hurt and I was like, it's just not fair, dude. Like I'm done, kicking the pressure valve, I'm out. I, I just don't wanna be with these people anymore. I'm out. And with compassion, with understanding and with empathy, he fathered me, he loved me, he led me. And he says, Steve-O, I, I hear you. And you're probably right. What's being right worth? He said, what about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you was fair for him? For him to carry the weight of your sin, your shame, your mess ups, yet to still take the first step relationally towards you, the one whose sin he bore, that's the model of spiritual family. So with tender care, in sincere compassion, I urge you, forgive. Forgive. I know you've been wounded, I know you've been hurt. Forgive. My wife who has walked through healing in her own story and lots of forgiveness in her own story, she said this to me yesterday, as I was processing this with her, she said, it's never, it's not moving on, it's moving forward. There's a distinct difference. Man, leading well is loving well. I'm just, I'm stuck there, guys. We have to get this right. 
And are you willing to understand that much of the process of getting this right, much of that process actually starts with a first step by you? What a gift, what a gift to be able to offer someone the same grace, the same love that you wish maybe you would have gotten your season. What a gift to offer it to someone else. Once again, if you have kids, you know what I mean. I want my kids to be better than me. I want my kids to have what I didn't have. I wanna kill every giant in my life so that my kids don't have to kill those giants. Spiritual sons, spiritual daughters, it should be the same. I wanna spend a little bit of time on this third relationship. And I wanna talk about people that you're running with. Now, this is the, this is the uh, relationship that I really found first in my story. I remember, I remember a season in my life where I, I, was, uh, I was sobbing in the shower. My emotions were pretty volatile. Still are pretty volatile. Um, but I remember crying in the shower, just like, I don't have any friends. Like nobody knows me. Like everybody, like everybody sees me, they think they know me, but nobody knows me. And as I began to unwrap these layers of myself and understand the value of stepping into spiritual family, I, I knew right away the confession of sin, the, the living wholehearted, the trying to be a better dad, husband, father, like I, I knew that I wasn't gonna make it alone. That became very clear to me very fast. So let me just affirm you, you will not make it alone. You will fight bravely and you will die quickly trying to run alone. It's not fun. <clears throat> so I'm crying and I'm, I don't have any friends and nobody knows me. And uh, then I just, as I, as I process this with my wife and as I process this with the Lord, I just remembered that there was this guy once upon a time um, who had led a men's Bible study here, like back in the day, a long time ago called uh, Wild at Heart. And I had just read this book again and it wrecked me. And so I was like, okay, well, that's at least a starting point. It's a starting point. Like there's someone maybe that can speak my language. So I text Cody Sykes and I was like, hey dude, what, uh, wasn't there a men's Bible study while the heart? He's like, yeah, there was. I said, who led that? He said, Martin Pfeiffer. I was like, don't know who he is. Cool. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, can I please have his number? I said, sure. So I remember being like, literally like, like I'm a pretty social person, but this is a pretty vulnerable step. I'm like getting a text message together. It feels like third grade. <laughs> Hi, Martin. My name is Steven. Uh, uh, do you want to go to lunch sometime? And it's like, you're staring at the screen and you're like, I can't do this. I can't sin. This is weird. I can't freaking do this. This is weird. Like, you know, you're like literally pro like over-processing and finally just hit send on the dang thing. And I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. Well, anyway, he responds and he's like, sure. I'm like, do you like barbecue? He's like, yes. I was like, hey, we might be friends after all. <laughs> so we meet, we meet at True Texas Barbecue. And I'll tell you the story, like, Yes, it's funny because this is actually how it happened, but I tell you the story because it's, um, I, I just, I want you to understand the reality of this is not a hypothetical situation. 
this is not a good for you, but I'll do it another way type situation. Like this, this is the model. It's weird. It's awkward. It's hard. It takes a step. For everybody that's ever asked for connection, I just want to meet somebody. I just want to know somebody. I wish there was more people in my age bracket. Blah, 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 this, that, whatever. Action step here. So I text him. And we sit down at lunch and I just was like, I had had enough of like the fake relationship stuff of like, hey, how's the weather? It's cold today. Uh, you think the Cowboys will win? Uh, probably not. I don't know. I'm, yes, they will. They're going to win, Abe. I'm just... <laughs> I had enough of it though. I was like, he's going to know me or, and he's going to hate me or he's going to love me. So I tell him all my stuff. And anyway, I remember just being like, you got to and this and that, whatever, and confess the sin and this and that. And then I just kind of wait. And he goes, man, that's crazy because I've just been dealing with blah, 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 this, blah, 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 yeah. And the next thing you know, we're just sharing some barbecue, staring across the table going like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yep. Like, it's, I, but for real. And I've been running with this dude now for between two and three years, man. And, um, I cannot tell you what it's done for my life. It's liberating being fully known. It's liberating fully knowing someone. Um, you won't make it alone. You're designed for connection. Life controlling issues, constant anxiety and fear. You lack the ability to do what you know you should do. You find yourself like the Apostle Paul. Why am I doing the things I don't want to do, but I can't do the things I want to do? I, wherever you find yourself this morning, I will 100% guarantee you, step into family and it's going to be okay. If you live alone, you will fight bravely and you will die quickly. That's John Eldridge too, by the way. I want to read something to you, Proverbs 17, uh, 17. It says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A brother is born for adversity. Any adversity represented in the place, any, any, hard, any hard times, any, any struggles, any decisions that need to be made, get yourself a brother, get yourself a sister because they were made for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother was born for adversity. There's another translation that says war. Brother was born for war. I'm gonna read one more scripture to you guys. Proverbs 27, verse six. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Proverbs is full of it, y'all. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Get you a friend who's gonna say, stand up, let's go. Get you a friend who's gonna say, hey, you gotta fix this area of your life because it's a disaster right now. I can't stand being around your kids. <laughs> hey, your house ain't in order, dude. Like, it's got some vibes. It's not offensive, it's real, it's honest. These are the relationships that we were designed to engage in. 
Now, it's always redemptive. You're not just going to like kick them in the teeth and be like, later. (laughs) But it's this redemptive process. So I would ask you the question. um, I I texted a group of guys that I'm running with this the other day, but um, when was the last time you saw something in someone's life and you felt the safety to ask them or to tell them, this needs to change in your life or this will be the consequence? It's a hard conversation. Furthermore, when was the last time someone asked you? Father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister. When was the last time someone asked you or told you, hey, this area of your life, you are on the fast track to disaster and it needs to change. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. These are the types of relationships that we're after. Welcome to the kingdom but it's worth it, y'all. It's worth it. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.